Thank you for listening to the City Lights podcast. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. We hope you enjoy the message. Good morning, City Lights Church. How are you guys? There's people in the building today. Um, You know, normally I would maybe be discouraged by the amount of people in the room, but this is actually very, very encouraging. I don't know if you know this, but when you're not used to preaching to a camera, it is very difficult to, that's a, that's a pretty sharp learning curve, <laughs> but uh, it's great to begin to move forward and start the process of getting our doors open, getting some wins under our belt, getting your guys' confidence back up to come to church. I know some people were more than ready and have been ready for some time, <clears throat> and I know that some of you um, at home are, are waiting a little bit longer, and that's totally cool. You come back when you're ready. We'll be here. Um, so I have a question. In this process of uh, quarantining and all that good stuff, how many of you had a COVID-19 test? Raise your hand. You had a COVID-19 test. Anyone? Okay, that is a violating experience, I will say. Okay. That is like being waterboarded for 20 seconds. They, they, uh, they take a Q-tip and put it up your nostril, not just a little bit, up quite a bit, and then turn it and count to 10 and then they do your other nostril, and you're already, like, eyes are watering, like you are, like, literally snotting and stuff. And then they do the other side. It's not a fun experience. So it's a very violating experience if you ever have to do that, um, and you have the option to do any other exam that exists out there, do that exam. Okay. But, uh, yeah, we, we, uh, we probably would have had people in the building last week, but um, one, of our, one of our sound engineers actually had covid and we were, we were around him. It's Russell. I asked him if I could say this. And so then about seven of us went and got tested. And uh, all of them came back negative. Like, so that was, a, that was a good praise report. And we had him stay away for a couple of weeks. But the good news is that Russell is literally the safest person in the world to be around right now. He's over, he's over, uh, he's over COVID. So he's not a touchy guy, which is, was a good thing, I guess, in retrospect. But... If you're just dying for a hug, maybe, maybe Russell. He's the safest person in the world, okay? Anyway, um, welcome to church. Welcome online if you're out there in the online world. Um, I do have a message for you today. And then during, during service, um, I was getting downloads for next week. I was like, okay, I think I don't want to say next week. I'm starting to get my ideas together, so that's good. Um, but a few weeks ago, I think it was three weeks ago, we began a, uh, a series um, on end time events, on, on uh, Bible prophecy. I think uh, given these times are, uh, you know, there's a worldwide health crisis going on, a lot of other things, riots and different things going on in the world, people's interest in Bible prophecy has been spiked. And so we started a series called God's End Time Strategy, um, which primarily our focus has been in Matthew 24 and Matthew 25. Um, but more than you know, dates and charts and, you know, all these different things that sometimes people do when they uh, do an end times prophecy. Um, you know, the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, what is, um, what is the sign that these things will happen when he, when he was talking about the destruction of the temple? What is the sign that these things have happened? And what is the, what is the sign of your coming? What is, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming? And Jesus starts to answer the, the, uh, the when and what, but then he really goes more into how to be ready. He spends more time in Matthew 24, Matthew 25, about talking how to be ready for the return of Jesus more than 
when it's going to happen, okay? And so I love that. I love that there's a, there's a strategy in the Bible, God's end-time strategy, to keep us ready for his return. He wants to keep you on fire for him, effective for him, and to change the world through you, okay? I love it. He didn't leave us without a strategy. Um, last week, we talked about the parable of the ten virgins. Um, if you missed that, um, that's Matthew 25, 1 through 13. If you missed that, um, I highly encourage you to go back and listen to that message. I did get a lot of really good feedback on that message. Um, and the reason why I think it's important that you listen to that is because I think these next two parables that we're going to talk about today and next week actually hinge on the parable of the ten virgins. I think it over, what we talked about last week will overflow into what we're talking about this week and into next week. Okay, So let's jump into the, the next parable. This is Matthew 25, 14 through 28. It is the parable... Um, if you have a King James Version or a New King James Version, it's going to be the parable of the talents. Um, if you have a, a NIV, it would maybe be the parable of the bags of gold. Those are kind of synonymous ideas. Okay, real quick, what is a parable? A parable is a simple story that is used to reveal a spiritual or moral truth. In other words, the real story is in the story, right? The real, the real truth is, in the, is, in, is underneath and it's hidden in the story, okay? Jesus did this a lot. Okay, we're going to read Matthew 25, 14 through 28, um, actually through 30. Um, so it's a, a, little bit of, uh, a little bit of scripture here. Okay, verse 14. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. just want to pause real quick. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey. What is it? What is he talking about? He's talking about his return, Jesus' return to this world. This is the context of this parable. I think this is... Maybe one of the more misunderstood parables because people don't pull it into the context that Jesus is talking about. Again, it will be like a man who is going on a long journey, who called his servants and entrusted them with his uh, entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to the other two, and to the other one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work. And gained five more. So also the one with two bags gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five uh, gold bags brought five other, five others. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. The man with two bags of gold also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two bags of gold. See, I have gained two more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come share in your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you had not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. His master replied, you wicked, lazy servant. So you knew that I harvested where I have not sown and gathered where I had not scattered seed. Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker's so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. So take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whosoever, 
Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them and throw that worthless servant outside into darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Okay, again, let's circle back around to the context. What is the context? The context here is the return of Jesus to the world. The disciples asked the question, when will these things happen? What is the sign of your coming and of the end of the age? And Jesus tells a story about gold and a guy and a guy entrusting his gold to his servants and going on a long journey, okay? It will be like a man going a long journey who entrusted his wealth to them. Jesus has gone on a long journey. Jesus is away. He's in heaven preparing a place for his bride, the church, at his father's house. We talked about that the last few weeks. And he has entrusted us with his wealth. He has entrusted us with the kingdom. All right. Being ready for the return of Jesus looks like stewarding the things he has entrusted to you in your life. Okay? Being ready for the return of Jesus looks like bringing the king an increase with the things he has entrusted us with. Okay? So what exactly is the wealth he's entrusted to us, and how do we multiply it? How many want to hear, well done, thy good and faithful servant? Someday when Jesus comes and takes us, right? I want to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. So what is this wealth he's entrusted to us? How do we multiply it? Okay. Now, again, the King James Version says um, that he entrusted talents, right? Five talents, uh, two talents, one talent. What is a talent? Now, um, it's maybe an unfortunate coincidence that in our um, modern language, talent means like your natural ability. Like, I'm good at basketball. I can jump high. That's a talent, right? Now, I think that type of talent certainly can be included in, in what we steward and what we're entrusted with, but he's not specifically talking about, like, you can jump high, right? Okay. So what is a talent in the Bible? How much is a talent worth? Um, in the time of Jesus, a talent was the largest unit of currency. Um, one talent was worth about 20 years of a, of a day's laborer's wage. So, so one talent worth 20 years of a day's labor's wage, okay? Um, so let me put that in kind of a perspective that, that we can understand. Uh, the median individual income for a full-time worker in the United States is currently about $876 per week, um, which is about $45,552 per year. But for simplicity's sake, we'll just call that $45,000 per year. So if you have one talent of $45,000 per year, times 20 is $900,000. So the guy who had received just one talent, it's the equivalent of having $900,000. So someone, here, here's $900,000. I'm going away on a journey. I need you to multiply this, right? And, and apparently the expectation was, you know, the other two had doubled it. If, let me ask you a question. If I, had, if I handed you $900,000 and I said, I'm coming back in 20 years, could you double it? <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure some of you could. Some of us would probably waste it, though. You know. Okay. So the one with two talents, um, $45,000 a year times 40 years, would be $1,800,000. And the guy with five talents, uh, $45,000 a year times 100 years, would be $4,500,000. So he gave each according to their ability. These are not trivial amounts. And I think the illustration pulls over that what we have been entrusted with in this life is not a trivial amount. It might seem minute and small to you, the things that God has entrusted with, but I assure you what he's given you is treasure. Okay, 
Now, there's certainly not an overwhelming consensus on what the talents mean. I've, I've watched lots of different videos on, on YouTube and different preachers talking about this. There is not a consensus on what the talents mean. But I would say this. It is whatever is of high value that we have been entrusted with. Weighty things in this life. What are the weighty things that you have been entrusted with in this life? I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples of weighty things. Um, I'm, married, I'm married to this beautiful woman up here. I consider our marriage to be a weighty thing. It's not a trivial thing. I want to steward that marriage well. I want to have a good marriage. My children, I consider that to be a weighty thing. I want to raise them correctly in the fear and the admonition of the Lord, right? I consider my ministry, what we're doing here at church, I consider this to be an important thing. This is a weighty thing. I don't want to be, I don't want it to consider it to be a trivial thing, okay? I read some commentary about this, and this is, this is what this commentator said. He said, by talents, here we are to understand gifts or endowments uh, conferred for a spiritual end, powers of body and mind, abilities natural and acquired, health, strength, long life, understanding, judgment, memory, learning, knowledge, eloquence, influence, and authority over others, wealth, privileges, or offices, civil or religious, and indeed every power and advantage of which a good or bad use may be made. Okay? Now, again, remember this in context here. We're talking about the return of Jesus to this world. Pastor Kurt, are you telling me that the way I steward my time, my money, my abilities, my relationships, my influence, my possessions, my health, my authority, my words, the grace of God, the gospel entrusted to us, are you saying the way I steward those things matters at the return of Jesus? Yes, I do believe that all those things are things that have been entrusted to us, weighty things that have been entrusted to us that we are to steward in such a way that brings glory to God and brings an increase to his kingdom. Amen? Okay, so what are, in your own life, what are the weighty things, what are the things you've been entrusted with? What do you consider to be the things that God has given you that he wants to see multiply through your life, okay? All those things we can correctly use and incorrectly use. It's possible to squander your health. It's possible to flippantly say words and, and waste. It's possible to waste and run over relationships or to misuse authority that you have, right? Those are all possible things to squander. Those are all possible things to invest for the kingdom of God, okay? So he is looking for increase in our lives. The man who had received one bag of came. He said, Master, I knew that you were a hard man. I think this is one of the reasons why the parable of the ten virgins goes first, because we're supposed to have intimacy with the Lord, know his heartbeat for us, right? So that we can know that he's, he's actually a very tender, loving father. And when he entrusts us with something, he expects increase, but he's not a hard man. So I think the revelation, first of all, many Christians, many believers, have a, have a false revelation of who the father is. So what do they do? They, they hide and they're afraid. They don't want to um, invest in, in the kingdom. They don't want to step out because they're afraid. Okay, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you had not sown, gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and hid your gold in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. Okay, fear and laziness are the main attributes of this wicked servant, okay? Are you putting what Jesus has entrusted to you to work, or are you burying it? Okay, if we jump back to the chapter right before, Matthew 24, where this, this first question was asked, Jesus, when are you coming back? 
What, when are these things going to happen? When are you coming back? What is the sign of your return? Um, Jesus said this, uh, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See to it, see to it that you are not troubled. See that you are not troubled, okay? He says, when you see these things, don't freak out. See that your heart is not troubled. He's not a hard man. See to it you're not troubled. Now listen, um, he says this, for nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows, or all these are the beginning of uh, birth pains, okay? <clears throat> it's, you know, since Jesus went to heaven and we've been here, we've had wars and rumors of wars, pestilences, nations rising against nations, famines, pestilences, earthquakes in various places, basically since that time. There hasn't been a long period of time where none of that has been happening, okay? I think the point here is that when you see all these things happening at once, we're getting very close, but he says the end is still not to come. But the point I want to make here is the main attribute of the wicked lazy servant is he was afraid. Jesus says, in these end times, when you see things going, going down, see to it that your heart is not troubled. See to it that you're not afraid. See to it that you understand you're loved by the Father, you're loved by the Master. He's given you something to steward, and we need to continue to invest and not hold it back. Amen? Let me give you an example of this. We had a pretty good test. <laughs> We've all been kind of tested. Maybe this is God's grace that we're kind of being tested in these things, right? Um, example of this is, is tithing as a church. Um, initially, I, I was concerned um, that by not meeting in the building, like, are people still going to give? Are they afraid? Are they going to just keep, you know, not give anymore? Um, I was initially concerned about that. But it only, take real, it only took really a few weeks where we realized, like, oh, our tithers, like, found us, you know. We couldn't pass the buckets here, but, like, they went online and they found us. And listen, that's what, this is uh, the point I want to make, is that you guys aren't tippers. You guys are tithers, right? You guys aren't tippers. You're tithers. And so you took the responsibility upon yourself. You found us. And I know some people lost jobs. And, of course, tithing is giving on 10% of your increase, now, I just know some people lost jobs, and of course, they're probably not giving, but some people even stepped up to the plate more. And so March, April, and May looked very, like, very strong giving. So I just want to say thank you to you who took tithing seriously. In fact, April was one of our highest giving months ever, which is crazy, which is crazy. April's one of our highest giving ever. So thank you for you guys who took it upon yourself not to be tippers. You took it on yourself to be tithers. We may have lost some of the tippers when the bucket goes by, but you guys take it seriously, okay? Look, look, look at this verse. Ecclesiastes chapter 11, verses 1 through 2. It says this, uh, Ship your grain across the sea. After many days, you will receive a return. Invest in seven ventures. Yes, eight. You do not know what disaster may come upon you in the land. You know, he's, what he's saying here is, Invest, diversify your portfolio. Invest in lots of different things. You don't know which one of them is going to, disaster is going to come upon which one of them. Okay? And then look at this, verse 4. He says, Whosoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. Listen, if you're constantly looking at the swaying of the world and this is up and the stock market's down and this is happening and this is happening and COVID and all this you are not going to continue to invest and you're not going to, you're not going to invest, you're not going to plant, and you're not going to harvest, okay? We need to, in every season, how many farmers know, how many farmers know, like, the year that's going to have a bad hailstorm? 
and take out their crop. What do they do? They sow in faith every year, and they pray, and they believe, and when there is a storm, they pray that God let that storm go around our, our field. You know what I mean? But they don't, like, it could, it could hail this year, so we're not going to plant. No, they plant every year. They don't know. But maybe seven, one out of seven years, they lose a crop, right? But they had six other years that they had an increase from that crop. Okay, same thing with us. So if you're constantly looking at the news and coronavirus and riots and North Korea and China and Iran, you may be prevented from investing in God's kingdom, and you might be missing opportunity to reap a harvest for what God wants to do in us and through us. Amen? So don't bury your investment. Don't bury what God wants to do through. I'm, I'm using money as an illustration, as Jesus did. I'm not just talking about money. I'm talking about your time, your energy, your, your service, right? Don't just go hide in your bomb shelter. Like there's a world that needs our love. There's a world that needs our influence. Amen? Um, go ahead and put up that picture. This is just as an illustration. This is a, um, a year-end snapshot at the Dow Jones for over a 100-year period, starting in uh, 1899 through 2009. And of course, there's increase even after 2009. But look at it. Over, over time, it's an upward trajectory, isn't it? How many know there were some major dips in there? There's some major scares there, especially in 1929, right? Uh, 2007. There's some major dips in there. But over time, if you're going to be an investor, you're not looking at like the next two, three, four years. You're looking at like 40 years. Invest for 40 years and look what will happen. If you draw a line from the lowest point to the highest point, like that is clearly an upward trajectory. Listen, I believe in the kingdom it is the same way. It is the same way, okay? Um, We are supposed to go from glory to glory, faith to faith. We're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. The world can be shaken. The kingdom cannot be shaken. The kingdom of heaven suffers violent, and the violent take it by force, amen? Like, we're, we are in a, in a fight, but the kingdom is ever increasing. The increase of his government, there shall be no end. I believe that God's kingdom is expanding and growing and all the time, okay? So God's kingdom is like that picture. It's always on an upward trajectory, regardless of what is happening around us, okay? There's a dip in things. It's like, no, we want to keep investing. We want to keep sowing for such a time as this church. You were called to this season. You were called to this time. You were called to make a difference. Amen? Okay, so that is the attribute of the wicked servant. He's lazy. He's afraid. Okay, i got to hold on to it. I'm not going to invest. I'm just going to bury it in the ground. What about the faithful servant? What is the attributes of the faithful servant? The faithful servant is diligent and trusting. He's diligent, he's hardworking, and he's trusting, okay? The man who had received five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five more. So also the one with two bags gained two more, okay? Notice he went at once to put his money to work. He didn't look, they didn't look at the tossing of the, you know, of the world around them. Maybe it was going out, maybe it was tumultuous the times, okay? One of the attributes of productive people is they're not waiting to arrive before they invest, okay? We have to be willing to be novices sometimes, okay? Let me give you an example of this. Um, I've said this many times from this pulpit, but some people are born with, like, a natural ability to get up and be a public speaker. Like, they're just, they're just good at it. They have confidence, and they speak well. Um, I say this often. I, I was not born with that ability. I think God has added his grace to it, but I think if your average person's here, I actually started here. And I had to work hard to be average. And then I had to work really hard to get past average. 
Okay, um, and you could ask some of these people who were in like my, one of my small groups that I was teaching 20 years ago. I was not good. <laughs> like I was not good, you guys. Okay, um, but I was faithful and I taught and I prayed publicly and I, wanted, I, I felt that God had put full-time ministry in my heart, but it was like I didn't feel like I was good at it. I certainly wasn't. You know, when I first started preaching um, to audiences, I was certainly not good at it. But when my wife and I got into full-time ministry, I disciplined myself to take every speaking engagement that someone asked of me. Like, and I'm not talking about flashy speaking engagements, but I would say for the first seven or eight years of our ministry, I never turned down one opportunity to speak publicly, okay? Um, these are not flashy events. Like, I would drive to a different state to, to preach to 15 or 20 kids in a youth group. Um, I would be asked to do announcements, which I wasn't good at, or video announcements, which is like, a, like doing a script is, is really hard at first, like scripted announcements. I would do announcements. I would do altar calls, which I wasn't good at. I would facilitate the ministry time, which I kind of like that. I kind of like the idea of, you know, flowing in the prophetic, which, by the way, you may notice that we usually don't ask the person doing prophetic ministry to also do announcements because those are separate parts of your brain, right? One is like, I have to be detailed, concise, and on point. The other one is like, flowing with the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? So, but I did all those. I did announcements. I did scripted things. Um, I did altar calls, which I was not good at at first. I did prophetic ministry. I tried to discipline myself to, do, to in every way, um, speak to people to be better at being a public speaker. And, I, and I've grown because of that, okay? It didn't matter that I had not arrived. I knew that I was a novice, and it was okay with being a novice, Okay? A lot of people are not comfortable with being a novice at something. Like, some people don't want to go to the gym because they're like, I don't want to look dumb because I don't know how to use all the equipment. It's like, well, sign up for the gym and ask them for a tour, how to use the equipment, and watch other people, right? I remember I, um, when I was a kid, eight years old, I started wrestling. I, was, I stunk at wrestling at first. Like, I think I literally, I know I didn't win a match the first year that I wrestled. <laughs> Bryson laughed at me, state champion back there. I literally, I got good though. Maybe not as good as you, but I got good. Um, uh, I literally did not win a match the first year. I might have won one the second year. I don't even know why I kept wrestling at that point. But over time, I got good. I got, I got to be a very good wrestler. Um, when I first took Brazilian jiu-jitsu classes, I was getting tapped out and submitted by guys twice my age. I was like, I leave frustrated, like, man, these guys are like killing me, you know? But after a while, I learned, learned position and all these different things and how to defend and that kind of stuff. Listen, whatever it is you're trying to hone, be willing to be a novice at it for a season. One of the things with, with tithers, it's like, I'll tithe when? Well, yeah, when? <laughs> when? When you have all your bills paid off, like, you know, I'll serve when, I will invest when, I will love when, when? Like now, now is the time. We don't, we want to put what God has given us, put it to work at once. Put it to work immediately, okay? Start now and trust God with the results. Give now, serve now, love now, trust God with the results. Why? Because small choices over time equal big results, okay? Everyday choices over, over time equals big results. Listen, if, if I was trying to lose weight, I do, kind of like every other week, try to lose weight, and then I don't. And then I eat nachos again. Who cares about losing weight? No, I want to be a lighter runner, you know. Um, I would rather lose a pound a week over 52 weeks than lose 52 pounds in a month. 
because that is a more sustainable trajectory. Your body is going through this crazy thing. Listen, small choices over time equal big results. Your faithfulness and your giving, your faithfulness in serving, your faithfulness and being faithful to your spouse, raising your kids, being present with your kids is huge. Those, those little choices over time equal huge results, okay? We need to be faithful. We need to be willing to be novices at any and everything, okay? When you go to the gym, no, one's, no one cares. They don't care that you don't know what you're doing. In fact, they're probably like glad that you're there, all right, once the gym's open someday. Praise God. Please open the gyms, by the way. Okay. All right. I'm going to read... I'm going to read three scriptures, three portions of scripture, one from Jesus, one from Paul, one from Peter. And I'm not really going to preach on them, but we'll, we'll kind of close with that. Uh, the first one is Jesus, Luke 16, 10 through 12. He says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you've not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? Okay, we're, we're entrusted with worldly wealth and things that we steward, but true riches is what we will inherit in the kingdom. In heaven, there's eternal rewards, and we'll be trusted with those things based upon how we steward the things in this life. Amen? Romans 12, 6 through 8, this is Paul. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with, with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then give encouragement. If it is giving, give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 1 Peter 4, 10 through 11. This is Peter, if you didn't know that by the title. Okay. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, they should do it as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do it with the strength God provides so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and power forever. Amen. All right, church, whatever God has entrusted you with, whatever he has put in your hands, serve, do it with, with all your heart. Do it to the glory of God, okay? Don't, th- don't take the things that God has entrusted you with and bury them in the ground. What do you do? You hold them out. You invest them, you trust God with the results. The results aren't really up to us. Like, you, you invest them and, and you're trusting God. But that, that, that servant who had the one talent of gold, he's, if he had said, God, I tried to invest it and, it, and the stock market crashed and it's all gone, like, I think there would have been some grace. Like, okay, at least you tried. At least you stepped out to put that to work. Or if you'd put it with the bankers, by the way, if you take $900,000, you put it in the bank for 20 years, you're going to have, I think, like $1,100,000. Okay, so decisions over time make a huge difference. What has God put in your hands? What has he entrusted you with? We want to trust him with those results, okay? Jesus is coming back for a diligent, trusting church in tumultuous times. All right, so that's what I have for you all today. I'm going to pray. Why don't you guys stand to your feet, and I'll have Emily close the service. Cool. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for the things that you have put in our hands to steward, Lord. The relationships, the finances, the talents, Lord. We, uh, anything that you've given us, Lord, we just thank you for those things. God, help us to steward those things well, to bring the master increase. God, we want you to come back and say, well done, thy good and faithful servant to each of us, Lord. You are coming back for a diligent, 
a diligent bride, Lord, a productive bride, Lord, God, a trusting bride, Lord. And so we love you, God. Help us to do this, Lord. We love you in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody said, amen. Thanks again for tuning into the City Lights podcast. We appreciate your support, and we'd love to fellowship with you. You can visit us on Sundays, 10 a.m. at 4100 20th Street in Greeley. Be sure to check out our website at citylights.church, where you can submit prayer requests, receive info on special events, and find our social media links. We're glad you could join us, and we hope you have a blessed week.